Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story, Turkey Edition. Got another good one on for this week's episode. Super excited to talk to you Isaac, and dive into uh, everything that helps you be successful for this season, and a little bit more about you, but Isaac um, Ellison, we have on from Georgia. Isaac, if you don't mind, I'll kind of hit it off right at the top. How long have you been a listener of the podcast? I started out right before uh, bow seasons opened up in Georgia, so right about August, I started with uh, Josh from The Untamed. Uh, I actually followed him on Instagram, and I seen it on the story. And I always listen to podcasts. I'm a big hunt public and meat eater listener, and that's all I really listen to. And then when I already listened for that week's episode, I really didn't know what to do with my life. So uh, so I clicked on it, and I said, Southern Outdoors. And I was like, what are these guys all about? And sure enough, I listened to his episode because I've listened to every show that he's been on. 
just because I hunt up in West Virginia, public land, that's where I cut my teeth and try to find people that hunt the same area so I can be more successful in those areas. And sure enough, you guys dug so deep, went so detailed, and hit everything on the spot, asking questions, everything that I wanted to hear. Like other podcasts, you don't hear them ask those kinds of questions. So I was like, man, these guys know what they're talking about. And I'm another big fan of Nathan Killen. And he is just a mountain hunting. Oh, man, he's just a good a good man. And I love all his content, everything that he puts out. And he's so knowledgeable about hunting the mountains. And sure enough, I listened to that podcast, and I was like, these guys are it. And then from there on out, I've been a diehard listener. I've listened to episodes. I couldn't tell you how many times over and over and over trying to catch stuff, all the stuff that I missed, and really try to, you know, like dig deep for a listener side and take notes on my phone when I got the chance and really apply it to where I'm hunting at now. But yeah, man, I've been a real big, big fan ever since I found y'all guys. And I think I've listened close to almost every episode. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's my... One thing that's funny you mentioned, and I think any of our listeners, especially if you've been listening for a little while, knows the term dig deep, and we try to do that all the time with guests. And it's kind of funny when uh, I talk to listeners like yourself and a bunch of other guys, and like, oh, yeah, man, you know, digging deep and stuff, because uh, I don't know, that's something I feel like we, we definitely try to do. And it, it's fun to kind of have that conversation and, and quote unquote dig deep and dive deep into a topic and, and just piece it apart, dude, just like a boxer. So, um, that's awesome. And let me ask, so you started listening because of uh, uh, Josh Eiderton, who we had on, talking about all things ground hunting from the untamed, uh, which, by the way, y'all can go check them out on YouTube. We've got some really cool videos out there. But um, that was a, an interesting episode and kind of dove in from there with uh, Nathan Killian's episode and just kind of went down the rabbit hole from that point on. But let me ask you, when it came to the, the podcast, you mentioned you listened to like the Hunting Public and Meat Eater you know, how long had you been previously listening to podcasts before you found out about the Southern Outdoorsman? And uh, and I'm just I'm just real curious about that, especially you know coming from the background of you know not necessarily being a podcast listener uh, for very long, and, and some of the other guys out there that kind of have gone through that same experience. Yeah, so I was previously as in the Marine Corps from 2015 to 2019 as a O311. I was stationed out in uh, California in 29 Palms in 1st Marine Division and uh, 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines. And I never was in the podcast then because I never had to travel that much. And I always just listened to music. But once I got out in 2019, uh, I did that whole entire season and it just wasn't hitting. So I was a big, you know, hunt public fan. And they always say, you know, check out our podcast, check out Instagram, we're on here, here, and I was like, podcast. Sure enough, you got it on your phone, and on, well, I got an iPhone, so sure enough, clicked on it, and there it was, and I just started diving in right there, and then ever since, I've been hooked. So I'd work, I was working construction, did that for a while, then I got out of that, and as soon as I got out of that, I actually moved to a school district here in Atlanta, and I do a lot of driving, I mean, a lot of driving all day, and sure enough, I just started listening to more and more podcasts. As many, I mean, it's just like drinking out of a fire hydrant, just trying to get as much information as I can to be more successful. And I just, I never wanted to look at myself and say, you're unprepared. I always want to be as much prepared as I can for a hunt. 
So I just started digging deeper, listening to everything, and then sure enough, Josh posted on Instagram. I was like, man, that's that's it. And I'm just nonstop ever since. So it's been two years now, I'd say, since I've really started digging in with podcasts. And let me ask, because I'm I'm just curious, you know, how has podcasts and just shows in general and just episodes in general, not even just our show, but other shows as well, how has that impacted you? I mean, especially with you driving and stuff and, you know, spending a lot of time where you can listen to it. I mean, has that been like a, a pretty uh, successful resource just to pick up more information than just necessarily watching videos or reading or anything like that? Uh, it's the most successful I mean, when I when people ask me like, "Man, how'd you do that? What'd you do?" and I, I just say, "Listen to the podcast, Southern Outdoorsman." It, I feel like I relate more because I was actually listening to Joe Rogan today, and he was saying when people listen to podcasts, it's more. I don't want to say spiritual, but it feels like you're there in the conversation. It's just you, and it's just the people talking on the podcast. You feel like you're in the room, and it just it it's there. It's, you just. I just, I'll be sitting in the woods. I'll be thinking about it. I'm like, man, remember they said this. So trying to do this. And of course, like I said, I'm a big hunt public fan. I'm a very good woodsman and of course hunters. And I watch them and I try and watch what they do in the woods since I can relate to them so much because they're public land. And I try to do the same thing. So I think of the podcast, think of how they move. And I just think of everything, every little nitpicking thing that I can throw into my tactics and maneuvering on animals and stuff like that, I just for sure just... Well, Isaac, let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the turkey episodes and kind of some of the turkey episodes that have been impactful for you. Because one thing, you left us a review not too long ago, and your your name on the review was The Struggle Bus. And we had been previously talking about, the quote-unquote, The Struggle Bus, and uh, how I joke with Andrew that he drives The Struggle Bus. And you talk about in the review that you don't drive The Struggle Bus, but you drag it. There's no wheels, there's no motor, you're dragging The Struggle Bus. Can you talk about I me? Mean, what's some of the struggles that you've had in the past uh, when it came to like, especially turkey hunting? But really, what episodes? Kind of two part question. You know, what was kind of the, the struggle in the past for turkey hunting? But on the flip side, what episodes were impactful for you to help you go out there and actually have the success that you have had? Oh man, start right off the gate. Get I listened to this and it blew my mind. Episode two thirty. Take your turkey hunting to the next level. Were you and Andrew? Just sat there, and the main thing that hit me, that hit home with that particular episode, he talked about how much he failed. Because you always hear on podcasts of all these successful hunters, all these successful people, you know, man, this guy's successful. They have to be doing the right thing. These things work. But I honestly, I love hearing the success, success stories, but I also want to hear the failures. I want to hear how hard it was for them to get to that point. And Andrew hit it. He hit it right on the head. And he talked about how much he struggled in 2019. And I went to the the National Wildlife Turkey Federation uh, show and where y'all interviewed all those people and then how it just changed the game for him, Jake Yelp and all that stuff. And the main thing with that episode, it had to be understanding terrain. And now, I mean, I use, I'm an Onyx guy. And from being in the Marine Corps, I definitely use, uh, the Marine Corps taught me how to read topo maps 100 percent. topo maps that's all we use there's no satellite no nothing it's paper topo maps plotting points on and grids and all that it's all topo and when i got back home you know using on x i was like 
I think I see Steve Vanilla and all those guys use and Hunt Public use on X. I'm like, man, I got to try this. So I did seven day trials. Like, this is it. Downloaded it, bought Georgia State, and went from there. And I and then Andrew talks about using terrain. And where I hunt at North Georgia, it's it's mountainous. It's you know good transition lines between pines, hardwood bottoms, a few thermal hubs, but you know there's those crowfoots. And then you got to understand military crests. You got to understand reading. Uh, the topo lines, how close they are together, how spread apart they are together. It tells you how steep and, you know, all that stuff. And there's just, you can go in so many tangents with that. And so since I had topo uh, map reading, you know, under my belt, I was like, man, this is going to be, it's not going to be easy, but I mean, at least I have a better understanding. I want to watch. I'm kind of a step ahead. So Andrew started talking about, you know, high points. And my dad always, you know, put it in my head since he's from West Virginia and hunting West Virginia birds up there. He said, you walk to the highest point you can walk to and you out hoot, or you just sit there, let the woods wake up and you listen for gobbles. If you're down low, you're not going to hear them. So listen to high points, long ridges, each facing slopes, thermal hubs, crow foots, understanding where the military crest is on a topo map. Uh, creeks, well, it's pretty explanatory when you flip at the topos and little blue lines in the creeks, but having water, good water source where birds are at. And, you know, that's really it with that episode. And Well, sorry, it's not really it, but he had all the Jake Yelps that he threw into it. I mean, the Jake Yelps were effective for me the week that I took off. And I didn't use that killing the bird, but it definitely changed the game for me when I had birds, you know, go quiet on me. And I would, you know, yelp, 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 hit them with that hard Jake Yelp. And they gobble right there. And I'm like, oh, man, that thing actually works. And uh, I had to watch a Shane, uh, Shane Simpson TikTok on how to do a JKL. I'm not, I'm by no means, you know, the best caller. We put that on the struggle bus too, you know, worst caller, hands up. But I practice as much as I can because I'm by myself when I work. So I started practicing JKLs and bubble clucks. I even throw some kikis in there just to change it up, soft calling try to call with my mouth closed, see how loud I can get, and just really just try to make myself the best caller that I can be at that time and then get better as the season goes on. But with what Andrew talked about, man, it just changed the game. I was like, I relate so much to what he said. And that's really it with 2.30. And then I switched over to uh, with Tim Knight, and I'm a big Tim Knight fan just from his deer episode. That's what changed the game for me, deer hunting. And uh, the way he talks about hiding behind the trees instead of hiding in front and looking for turkey scratching and just all the scouting points and stuff like that just blew my mind. And then, of course, there's Shane Simpson just being, you know, a good turkey hunter, good woodsman, and uh, Mike Pentecost all his calling and locator calling techniques. I haven't got any of his, uh, I switched to all Woodhaven this year. I told myself, and I told my wife, I'm like, look, I'm going to switch. I'm going to get some really good turkey calls. So I got the elite series, the red series that came out this spring, bought a cherry classic. And I wish a hundred percent would have bought that cherry classic scene because that is the sweetest sounding call that money can buy. Everyone's like, you paid $90 for a cherry classic. And I was like, you damn right. I did. And it's the best sounding Turkey call that I got my best. And it's just so sweet sounding. 
And so I just, I mean, every time I go out, I use it. I, I'm not going to buy something and not use it. I'm just, I'm just not that way. I have to use everything that I buy, and I like buying good quality equipment. I know you're a gear nut too, and I love gear. I bought a new Nomad vest, and that was the best thing that I ever could have done because it changed the whole game for me. It's got magnetic, the seat for it's magnetic. You can flip it up on your back. It's got a spot for a water bladders. It's got a spot for your pot calls and all that. So good gear. Good quality gear will just lead into good quality comfortability going into the woods. And uh, But back to the for Mike Pentecost's episode, it was just locating turkeys with a locator call. And I honestly, well, it was Mike Pentecost and it was Shane Simpson. I think they both said that owls hoot during midday and I actually found that out. I had no idea that – I knew that they would do it, but I didn't know that they would get fired up like they would in the middle of the night or early in the morning or late in the evening. And that's how I was honestly striking up mid-morning birds. I would just hit them with the owl hoot. And I got really good at the screech, like Aaron does on the untamed. I can screech pretty loud just by myself practicing. And I was like, I'm going to try it. And sure enough, I got birds to gobble at it. And, yeah, man, that's really it for all the episodes. Yeah, I want to piece that apart just a little bit more. So you talked about episodes 230, which is the one that me and Andrew did, talking about taking your turkey hunting to the next level, which we've had a lot of – actually, a lot of the listener success stories came in from this year – one of the episodes they talk about for all the guys I've talked to so far mentioned that episode just because of how Andrew kind of learned and applied, especially like the terrain and how that's a factor for finding and locating turkeys, especially when you're either going to an area blind or if you are again are dealing with turkeys that just aren't gobbling, they're not making a lot of noise and kind of using the terrain features to find and locate those turkeys to be able to go in and do some blind calling and really put yourself in the right spot. But we also had quite a few guys mention both Tim Knight, which is episode 232, and also episode 237 which is Mike Pentecost those episodes as well and again those guys perspectives on how they approach the woods how they you know piece apart a gobbler and have different approaches but are both extremely successful with what they do as well so I'm really curious you know also with with Mike Pentecost and kind of you know his expertise and and his knowledge you know what else did Mike talk about that might have been just like either maybe it flipped a light switch for you or just kind of maybe put you over the edge like man this this guy kind of really knows what he's talking about but also i can really see myself taking this approach to you know where i'm hunting in georgia you know talking from you and be able to apply kind of what he talks about as well from his episode yeah it was mainly being being quiet soft calling and not over calling i mean of course everybody wants to hear that gobble and you know, get that bird fired up because maybe sometimes that's not the case. And my dad always jumps down my throat and goes, you're calling too much. You're calling too much. And I hear every podcast that y'all do, everybody says soft calling. I mean, it's public land. Everybody else is after him too. I might be there on Saturday, but there's no telling what other people are doing the other six days. You could have guys going there cutting 30 times in one sequence. Just <laughs> I mean, who knows what they're doing? So you want to approach it. I can't remember who says it. I think it's Dave Owens who says it. Always, when you go to call to a turkey, whenever you start out a sequence, all, especially with blind calling, I think Mike talks about it too, saying start to act like there's a turkey 50 yards in front of you and then wait a few minutes. And then you get nothing, then act like a turkey 75 yards and 100 yards and so on and so forth. And But the main thing that I really beat in my head is what they talk about being a good woodsman and understanding the terrain, understanding the 
how the woods lay out, understand the trees, the food sources, scratching all the sign you can, and being patient. I I know it, it, you just have to take it for what it's worth. Everybody is going to say it on the show, and I'm going to say it too, is being patient. And what Andrew talks about, switching back to Andrew's episode, when he says, you know, whenever you're sitting there and you have a bird that struck up, it's gobbled and gobbled in a long time, and you just have that urge to get up and move, I have that urge. Uh, every time I turkey hunt, I can listen to y'all's podcast seven seven days a week, 24 hours, and whenever I sit in the woods, I always have that urge. You need to get up. You need to get, up, get around him. Look, he's on that ridge. You know he's on that ridge. You need to get up, get around him, get on that point, and make a call. You need to do it. But ever since I heard Andrew say it, he said, stay five minutes longer. Stay 15 minutes longer. Just stay. Just wait it out. Wait it out. And that's what I started doing. I ended up actually seeing more turkeys doing that. And another point that he said was act like there are turkeys around you when you're walking through the woods. Even if you haven't heard them, always act like there are turkeys around you. And that's another really, really good point because I know you, the way you still hunt where you keep your upper body still and only move your legs and don't turn your head because you got to think about it. If you're walking through the woods and you're moving your arms, you're moving your torso, moving your, your chest and your vest is moving and your gut's moving and you're moving too quick, something's going to see you. It might not be a turkey. It could be a deer. It could be a coyote. It could be a squirrel. It could be a blue jay. For all the deer hunters, you know, blue jays squawk at deer when they move. And you, whatever you, however you deer hunt, whatever you, I just transition when I'm deer hunting, whatever those locators are to alert other animals that something's moving, just transition that over to turkey hunting. And think about that when you're the one moving you are the one moving in broad daylight. Everything can see you. Everything has the advantage over you because you can't see them. So always act like something is watching. That's another fantastic point that he hit. And uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's really it for Andrew's podcast. I keep looking at my notes and I just keep finding little points that are right there. But just mainly being a good woodsman, man, and understanding the woods. And the better woodsman that you are, I think the more successful that you'll be, the more time that you spend in the woods will make you a better hunter. Time, understanding terrain. But one thing that's definitely helped me is I always, I'm always trying to be in the woods. I think it's Wayne Lackey. I just listened to his episode when it came out. He said he's in the woods every day, every day that he can. And I think that's a good point. So say you're a big deer hunter and, and you're a big turkey hunter, well, there's always that gap right there between because the deer season in Georgia goes out in January and turkey season don't open up till March. I know it's a little bit different over there in Alabama, but we have that gap. We have January 10th or 15th or whatever to March. And I mean, become a good squirrel hunter. I mean, I go back to my roots. That was what I learned how to do with squirrel hunt. And I squirrel hunt in between and I scout for turkeys and I scout for deer. I just try to get the bang for most buck and I use gps and use on x and i really just try to mark pins and i color code all my pins for all you guys out there that use hunt stand on x it doesn't matter it's all the same stuff just a different name and don't shame somebody because oh you just now just let them use whatever they want to use but the best thing that you can do is stay organized with your pins get color codes i color code all mine for black i use actually i just seen uh Giannis on the hunting public video where he marks his kills as a black pen. I end up doing the same thing. And so I use black and I, whatever animal I killed, I drop it right there where I'm standing at. And that's where my kill site is. And I keep it in my notes, my color code. 
And red, of course, is a gate, and then the access is going to be blue. Brown is going to be a food source, and then for food sources, different. You know, you want to put acorns, persimmons, red oaks, white oaks, stuff like that in the notes, so you know. And uh, yeah, that's that's really it. I just like to stay organized and always mark your truck when you're hunting, or always save the the map of where you're going, so you never are in a bad situation. And say you don't know the woods, new place by yourself. Always say, tell somebody where you're going. Use mark your truck and use the tracker. That way you can use the tracker. Say you are hunting somewhere early season and you strike up a bird and you come back into the season and you can't really remember how the terrain laid out or what it looked like or where exactly you walked because that a bird is on the same area. You can just pull it up and it's right there and you can follow that same line or you know where you walked one time when you're scouting. You can do the grid section. I do all kinds. I'm a big electronic scouting man. If I'm not using uh, Onyx, of course, the satellite, I kind of, kind of bash them a little bit. It's not updated. It's always the green leaf summertime season. So I ha- always switch. My wife, you know, gets on me all the time. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm online scouting. I'm looking. And so I always use, I use Onyx. I use Google Earth. Sometimes you can get lucky on your phone. It'll be switched over in the fall time, winter time. But if you got a computer, you can go in there and switch it to fall time, winter time. And another website called Zoom Earth, you can flip through that. And if the area you're hunting, if you're lucky, if Google doesn't have the pictures, Zoom Earth might have the pictures of the area that you're hunting. And I'm so OCD and so hooked on electronic scouting. I can zoom in and just not even think about it, where I'm going, what I want to look for, where the public land is at, where my pins are at. I can do it in a split of a second, I'm there. So I really take my scouting, online scouting to heart. I wish I could scout this season, this past fall and spring has been a little change for me because I have a new baby. She's seven months and she's born in August. So I've been trying to spend much time with her when I'm not working. But my job, unfortunately, I get off at three o'clock so I can hit the woods. And But I try to get my wife you know, I try to make that good balance. I don't want to leave her high and dry. She's honestly best thing that's ever happened to me. Best wife I could honestly ever ask for. I love her to death. And honestly, all my success, I just, she's right there with me. If it wasn't for her letting me go hunting, none of this would ever have happened. I'm really curious of kind of seeing and hearing about how you applied kind of what you've learned for a few of these different episodes, especially recent episodes to having success on this gobbler that you killed. Um, so maybe kind of walk us through, you know, how did some of the factors of what we've talked about so far in this episode apply to what helps you kill that turkey and kind of maybe walk us through the scenario and how everything played out and, again, how you were able to apply different things to, you know, have have some success? Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, I think you did the strut report – Oh, April, right before Easter, that week, that Thursday, you dropped it, and you mentioned, you said, hey, it's next week's on fire, the 5th through the 9th, it's on fire. If you live in the southeast Alabama, Georgia, you, you need to be in the woods, and I've already uh, put in for vacation because that's when all the schools were on spring break, So, and our job actually gave us off Thursday and Friday, so I only had to take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I have in-laws that live up way up in North Georgia, and I went up there to their house Friday, and I hunted the public land that I hunted last year um, way up in North Georgia. 
I went right back there since I don't live far from it. I drove there, got there, you know. Like I said in the reviews, if you're a diehard listener in the reviews, you know, I'm a struggle bus, and I told them, well, I told you and Andrew, I was like, man, y'all need to drop this stuff because I'm the one sitting at the gate at 3 in the morning, and I'm just, if I can't fall asleep, I'm listening to y'all's show over and over again. I was like, man, it'd be nice to have, you know, listener success story to get me even more fired up. So I'm sitting at the gate 3 a.m. Saturday morning, and there was a clear cut, and I know there was birds. There was two clear cuts and a big hardwoods uh, ridge and a big, like, holler in between them and a good road. So I went back there and had a bird gobbling on the roost, and constantly it's daylight. It's 640, 645, and I can just hear trucks screaming up and down the road. People getting out, out hooting. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, how's this going to go? And I'm maybe three, 400 yards off the road. I got a bird just firing on the roof. So I'm like, all right, thank Thank you. Everything that you've learned, and I swear I go blank in the worst moments. I'm so bad about that. I hear a bird gobble, and like you talk about Andrew getting shark eyes, I get shark eyes just like he does. I'm like, there he is. I got to kill him. I don't know what I have to do, but I just need to get over there and kill him. So I get over there to the bird and sit down, and I do some tree helps. And I, I'm not the best fly down caller, so I kind of didn't do a fly down. And the guy that you just had on for the strut report, the Virginia hunter, I can't remember his name. Devin he says he doesn't do. Yep, yep, yep. He said that how y'all didn't talk about doing fly downs, and because he never hears him do a fly down, I'm starting to think. I was like, man, all the times I've been in the woods my whole life, I've maybe heard like two or three times I've heard hens fly down, but it's always been in the fall. And some some guys are laughing like, you mm, turkey hunt. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But uh, so I did do a fly down. So I'm like, I'm going to soft cross. Scott Ellis, let's hide the hen. Let's stay on the back side of the ridge. And let's do our, my best to hide, hide the hen, paint the picture, make him come into this bubble of 30 yards, 40 yards. And when, once he steps over here, I'm going to kill him. Silent or on fire, I'm going to kill him. And I sat on a good little finger in between two hollers. On a, it was really a long ridge, but it was thick, privet, a little bit of green. Well, that like switch cane grass looking stuff and uh, green briar. And I sat down right in it, and I could only see, I made sure that I could only see 30, 35 yards. And there's just the hollers just drop off to my right and to my left. And you can't come in behind me because it's just super thick pines. I was on my hands and knees crawling through that. I was like, I'm going to blow this bird off the roost, making all this noise. But I actually did. So I sat down and started scratching the leaves, bubble clucks, super soft yelps. A turkey can hear. And a turkey can hear really good. My papa told me growing up, he said, boy, a turkey can pinpoint you because he's old school hunter, old school hunter, 60s, 70s. And he, whenever he started spring gobbler hunting, because, of course, that wasn't a thing. And I know you guys talked about that in previous podcast. And that's what he told me. He said, spring gobbler wasn't a thing. And he didn't start it until the 80s, 90s. And he would call it two times with a box call. Yup, yup. <sighs> they gobble, and that's it. They shut up, fly down. And sure enough, they, he said, you sit there. You don't move. He knows exactly where you're at. He does whatever he has to do, and he'll show up right to you. And once I hear Wayne Lackey, Mike Pentecost and all the other old guys talk about it. I'm thinking of the same thing in my mind. I'm like, all right, I'm going to soft call. I'm going to sound like a lone hen over here just scratching, scratching the leaves, yelping. And it's been about an hour and a half, you know, here I am, shark eyes, like, you got to move, you got to move. 
So I sit there and I'm like, nope, not going to move. And sure enough, I hear something walking. I'm like, that's a squirrel. And I'm like, no, it's not a squirrel. It's got two legs. And I was like, I hope it's not a person. Sure enough, I see that old head bobbing. I'm like, oh, yeah, here it comes. This is it. This is what they look like, finally, after not hunting all last year, just not knowing what a bird even looks like in person. And here one comes. I get my gun ready. My heart is thumping out of my chest like I got a 150-inch deer right in front of me. I mean, I'm losing it. And I'm shaking. My gun barrel's shaking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And it was a hen. And I was like, what? I'm like, are you serious? And I was like, no, sure. I was like, no, keep a positive mindset. And sure enough, I didn't make a sound. Once I heard that movement, I didn't make a sound. And sure enough, she walks all the way up. It takes her a minute. She's bobbing back and forth, you know. And I was like, God, that is just beautiful. I'm like, listen to it. Like, man, this is nature, like, just firsthand. And she gets within, it had to be three or four yards of me. And I finally, once she got in front of me about 20 yards, I calmed down. And I wasn't shaking as bad. I was like, oh, she's going to see me. I was like, it, there's no way. It's early season. Wherever there's hens, there has to be gobblers. So I'm waiting. I'm like, he has to pop his head up here somewhere. She is not alone. And she actually ended up being alone. And she got maybe three to four yards from me and just looked at me. I was in a little tiny green bar bush. And I was just hiding perfect. And I was like, man, hiding the hen actually works. And just, I, even though I didn't kill a bird that day, it's just the relief off my shoulders. I was like, man, it works. I was like, you just make them come look for you. Don't set it up to where they have to, they can look a long ways and just look right at you. I'm like, man, it actually works. So she, I guess she got aggravated because she didn't know where I was at. And she starts yelping louder and cutting and i'm like man he's got a gobble he's here he's half the gobble and sure enough he gobbled way the opposite way i mean 400 yards and i, I mean i was like i'm gonna sit here because now he knows that there's possibly two hens over here anyway he never came in so we did the whole easter gig and came back down to the public land that i hunt up there on the other side of north georgia and so I took the whole week off. I'm like, Monday, I don't care because I know there's some diehards out there. Maybe there's some other, oh, excuse me, other listeners of the podcast, Southern Outdoors, and I was like, hey, they're trying to take off work too. So I'm beating to the gate. And if you're there at 4, 4.30, you're late. So I'm at the gate. At, you know, where I live at, the public land is only, the gates that I hunt are only 15 minutes from my house. So that's a bonus right there. It's that's just awesome. So I drive, I get there, and I sleep in my truck, and I'm just kind of nervous. I'm like, man, when somebody pulls up, what am I going to do? And it's a gate where I had some birds on opening day. I had a bird hung up at 60 yards who gobbled for two hours. But anyway, so I go back to the same high point. There's mature pines, big hardwood ridges. I mean, some big hardwood ridges and good high points. The way it's set up, there was facing north to south where I'm standing at. Right in front of me north, it goes straight down. And it goes, and there's a good clean water creek there, and it goes straight up, and it's a saddle that's right there, big saddle, and on top, around, so a saddle, meaning if you look at it vertical up and down, and like 3D, it's just a U, but that whole entire 50 yards from the very two high points down on a full 360 around that ridge was pine thicket, and I was like, I can hear 
a thousand yards on this high point. I know there's birds here, but where? That's since I didn't get a chance to roost them the night before. So I'm listening and I hear, I try not to owl hoot because from what Mike Pentecost says, you know, like just let the woods wake up, let the woods do their thing. Don't do something unless you have to. So I'm listening and I hear one gobble on its own. I'm like, oh, man, that's nice. That's good. And there's one right over there on that saddle ridge. Then I hear another one gobble. Then I hear another one gobble. I'm like, okay, that's three birds. And I hear another one gobble. I'm like, okay, that's four. And I'm to my left, just these two birds, they gobble, I mean, 125 yards. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So they're down this logging road. And this time of year, if you know North Georgia, Alabama, it's open. It's wide open, especially if you're hunting hardwood ridges. I can see 125, 150 yards in some spots. So I sit down. And the whole time, I'm like, you idiot. I'm like, hide the hen, hide the hen. And sure enough, I just couldn't do it. Uh, I don't know what the birds, I didn't hear any hens yelping. I mean, it was the craziest experience. I, it's something like you watch on real tree road trips or primos. I mean, these birds are gobbling at everything. And, I mean, I was scratching in the leaves and these birds would gobble. And they would just hung up at 70 yards on the side of the ridge. And I'm hidden. I'm in a little tiny thicket. I'm on the backside of a little tiny lip on a little finger right on the military crest on the other side. So if they pop their heads over, they'd be right there. And I scratch in the leaves. They gobble. And I hear all the other birds gobble. And a woodpecker, well, I call them wood hens. And they, and they, they gobble. And all the other turkeys gobble. I'm like, gosh, what do I do? And I sat there for two hours. And just the same thing that happened on opening day. Those birds stood in the same spot in the strut zone on the side of a ridge and went back and forth. There was a logging road, but I know they weren't on the logging road. They were 50, 60 yards down the ridge just walking back and forth. And I waited and waited, and I was like, wait 15 more minutes, wait 15 more minutes, and nothing happened. And I heard some birds gobbling on that sapper ridge. So I use a terrain, like Andrew says. I get down, get around them. And I end up getting in front of some birds and honestly, some good advice that I can give, because I'm a green turkey hunter. Since I was in the Marine Corps, I didn't really, you know, jump in to the pool of public land. So I don't really, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not afraid to admit it that I'm a green turkey hunter when it comes to public land or turkey hunting in general. I'm just, I'm a greenhorn. I'll just say it out loud. So I'm trying to think, I'm like, think of the pockets, think of everything that you've listened to and watched, what would they do? And I try to get in front of these birds, and they're on these high points, casting their gobbles down in these thermal hubs, down these creek bottoms. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And I end up, I'm like, all right, this bird's on the same ridge as me, but he's working down the ridge to the, to the mouth of the holler. And I'm like, I'm going to sweep all the way. I'm on, so if you're looking at the U, I'm on the far left side of the U, almost near the very tippy end of it, and I run all the way around the U, around this pine thicket, get on this other ridge on the back side of this creek bottom, and I'm like huffing, puffing. I was like, gosh, I hope I didn't make too much noise. I was pretty quiet, moving quick, use a train to my advantage, and nothing. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, where do you go? I hit out a yelp, and he gobbles, and he was right there where I made a call at. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So that scratches that day. And Tuesday is the same thing. I was like, all right, these birds crossed the creek from where I was at. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in there super early, get down in the creek bottom, and I'm going to wait for them to cross because they're going to get up on these high points of this saddle. And I'm pretty sure I texted you asking you what I should do. And you was like, man, it sounds like you just need to get on that high point and wait them out. Well, the way this, it's one of those ridges where it's, you know, four points of contact. 
And I'm like, I can't climb that in the middle of the dark, being quiet, especially these birds are roosted out on the edge of these fingers. So I sit in the creek. I was like, if there's birds anywhere in here, I know they work this creek. And sure enough, I sit there. And in that saddle, in that hollow, on both those points, it, I just call it the morning of a thousand gobbles or World War Three of gobbles. It was nonstop. I mean, even after they flown down and just pow, 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 there was probably eight to ten birds over there just ripping it. I could hear hens over there cutting and yelping, and the hens shut up, and then the birds, it's almost like they just, the flock broke up, and there was just birds everywhere. So I sat down, and I heard something coming way up on the high point on the edge of the pine thicket right on the transition. I'm like, man, those are deer. I was like, gosh. I'm like, well, I'm in a good spot because thermals are coming down. And I'm like, man, I'm in a good spot for a while, but I really hope it's not deer. And sure enough, there's a turkey. And I was like, gosh, I can't move because he's 100 yards up there. He can look right in here and see me. And I'm pretty sure it's a Jake. So I watch that turkey leave. I can hear it scratching. So I wait, wait, wait. And those birds are coming closer. And so I hit out soft yelps. And then two birds that are closest to me, they hammer. I'm like, all right, I know where they're at. I got a little bit of terrain in between me. There's three really small ridges in between me and them and this creek bottom. I mean, not even elevation change of, I mean, it's very, very small. I mean, it was from the bottom of the, from the creek all the way to the top of these ridges, maybe 40 yards, very little ridges. And it's just a little flat that's up there. I was like, I'm going to sit right here, hide the hen in this little tiny drainage, little tiny holler, small as could be. And these turkeys are going to have to walk around the bend in this creek and that's it. Lights out, 30 yards done. So I'm, I sit down, big, giant white oak. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm in the shadow. Sun's in my back. I start yelping. And I yelp, 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 yelp. And I wait for, wait for them to gobble. And, of course, they hammer. So I'm, you know, purring, clucking, real small, you know, real soft, scratching in the leaves, trying to sound like a hen feeding. And about that time, I'm sitting there. I let out a few more, woo, woo, bubble clucks out of nowhere this hen i mean it scares me to death this hen flies in the same tree as me 10 feet above me and uh the guy that talks about the burns gosh i can't remember his name when he said those when he was calling the turkeys and they fly up on the limb and they're sitting there and they're looking at him to see where he's at this hen did the same thing and i immediately looked up because for some reason in my head i was like that's an owl because how loud it was. And I looked at him and said, hen. And, of course, she starts pooping, and she, I mean, misses me by two or three inches. And while she's up on the limb, she's going, yelp, 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 and then clucking, and then she's purring, and then those birds are, there's birds I even know that were in front of me on this that high point hammering at her. I'm like, what is she doing? I'm not. And she flies down on the other side of the creek, and this creek's real small. It's maybe, you know, two, three foot across, but it's good, clean water. She flies across, gets a drink, and then starts walking on that ridge, and she doesn't make a sound. So I'm sitting there, got my gun face, and these birds are hammering. I mean, I don't make a sound. I'm shutting up, getting silent treatment, not talking to them. I was like, man, it's been 20 minutes. I'm going to give them a yelp. And I yelp. I yelp, yelp. At that time, one cuts me off 30 yards behind me. And I can't hear drumming. Marine Corps messed up my hearing so bad, I can't hear drumming to save my life. But I can hear him walking behind me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. I was like, struggle bus is in full effect. He is walking behind me at 30 yards for 10 minutes, and he's just back there. I can hear him spit, but I can't hear him drum. I, 
And I'm like, oh, that's a spit. And I'm like trying to hear for the drum. And I don't know if it's just because I was on the other side of the tree or what, but I couldn't hear it. And he eventually wandered off. He didn't see a hen. I guess I was hiding pretty good, but he wouldn't come. He was at 30 yards, like I said, in killing range, but just on the wrong side, silent satellite bird that just showed up out of nowhere. And those two birds were still hammering. I mean, just going crazy. And I heard that turkey go up behind me and then drop off that flat. So I'm like, all right, so I'm going to get up on this flat and sit right below the crest. And hopefully these toms work. So I pretty much just flipped around and walked 15, 20 yards. And as soon as I did that, I seen them tom fly off. And I was like, oh, my gosh, no. And that's where I started getting really mad. I'm like, you know what? It was an awesome morning. Don't beat yourself up about it. And so I called my dad, let him know what's up. And he was like, what are you doing? He was like, I've told you a hundred times, boy, just sit still. He was like, there's birds in the area, sit still. And I'm like, I know, because you always regret stuff after you do it. So I'm like, I know. I'm, I Don't tell me, I already know. And so he ended up coming hunt with me Wednesday, and uh, we only heard a few birds. Had a bird hang up on us at 90 yards in the strut zone, and we could not maneuver on him at all. That was thir- that was Wednesday, and then Thursday was just a slow morning. Actually, you, Mike Pentecost, is uh, Mike Pentecost locating tactics. I mean, mid morning, I just hit him with an owl hoot, and sure enough, he fired off. And I was like, all right, maybe he is fired up. Give him a few yelps on the old Cherry Classic, and you know, he didn't. He hit it every time, and I sat there for almost two hours, and he never showed up. So I ended up leaving. I know a lot of guys are probably shaking their head, like, why are you leaving? I'm like, well, I got a baby at the house and stuff like that. But anyway, to get to the full story when I killed the bird, Friday, my buddy came in town. He lives on the other side of the state. And I was like, all right, look, I'm done hunting this gate. I'm, I'm done. Uh, these turkeys are whipping me. Well, I'm sorry. Actually, we hunted there Friday, got 80 yards from a bird on the roost, and he shut up, flew down. I was like, these birds are too pressured. We're going to another gate. Another gate. Saturday, we got rained out. And I told him, I was like, look, I want to go scout this place, but once it gets done raining, we're going to go in here and we're going to look for tracks in this new gate. And sure enough, we go in this weird back roads, getting there. It's real sketch. There's like these weird houses. And we end up getting there. And there's just a random DNR gate there. And I'm like, I guess this is a gate. And we start walking down and we didn't make it 200 yards. I'm already seeing tracks. I'm like, man, this is, this is promising. It's good terrain, good high points, good creeks. Good transitions between pines and uh, hardwoods. And when we start venturing back, it's a select cut of pines. So I'm like, man, this is this is looking good. Good nesting area. If they are breeding right now, I mean, hens could be laid up off these, you know, these flat ridges going out, these long select cut pine ridges. And pretty much this whole, it was just a whole long ridge. It was all pines. And it just cut them all out. And that had to be probably three, four years old. Well, you know what happens when you do select cut pines and that brings sunlight in the greenbrier kicks in so there's a good bit of greenbrier but the road it's just a little tiny ant trail and we inch through it and break down some step on some greenbrier make a clear path and the way this is set up i want everybody if you're listening right now and you got a second i want you to take your left hand put it out in front of you kind of spread it apart and i want you to turn it to the right and the way this was set up if your thumb is pointing at your chest we were coming down your thumb right where it meets kind of the palm of your hand and you got, and all your fingers are going to be fingers. Well, like 
ridges of the fingers dropping off, and then that drop off was into a creek bottom, and it went up into another long ridge of hardwoods. And we're we're sitting there. I was like, all right, we can hear a thousand yards all direction. I'm like, okay, there has to be birds in here. Everything is lining up. There's everything that you could ever ask for right here. There's tracks, everything. So we wait. Birds really don't gobble from what I had logged in my phone until on the roost at like 8.10 to 8.20-ish. So I, that's the only time I'll initiate an owl hoot. And so we're waiting, we're waiting, and my buddy's like, because he's a new turkey hunter. This is the first year he's ever been turkey hunting. So I'm trying to show him a little bit of what I know. And so he's like, don't, don't hoot. And I was like, all right, so oh! and we wait. And then one gobble was behind us at about you know, 300 yards in my car. He's on that ridge. And I only hoot with my mouth. I don't use locator calls because, like I said, I got a lot of time to practice. So here, bird gobble over there. I'm like, oh, that's good. So I wait. And I'm like, he's hammering. I mean, he's gobbling. Bam, bam, bam. I'm like, man, that turkey's fired up. So I mark him on Onyx, and then I hear another bird gobble next to him, and another bird gobble next to him. I was like, man, there's potentially three toms over there. And I was like, all right, I need to get out of here, but I'm going to get one more hoot. And I go, whoo, get that roll of the tongue, you know, whoo. And as soon as I did that, one gobbled at 100 yards from where we were standing. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't see us because he was in a tree. And I mark it on my phone. And if you're looking at your hand again, thumb towards your chest, not your pointer finger, he's on the middle finger. And the palm of your hand being the high point of that mountain, so say, the select cut pines and all those fingers dropping off. So I'm making a game plan in the morning. And my dad was coming in to hunt that morning with us. So I was like, don't worry. We'll get the gate since it's only 15 minutes from the house. We get there at 3.30. Or no, we got, I got there at 3.15. And it's Sunday Bluebird day. I'm like, it's going to be nice. So he gets there about 530. And I'm like, we got to go. And we start walking. And it's pretty much, like I said, a road, but an ant trail. And I was like, all right, this is where we outcluded that. I'm showing my dad on the map. And I do not use lights when I turkey hunt. If I do, it's red lens. Turkeys aren't dumb. They might fight the reflection in the car, but they definitely know if a big old white light that's 300 lumens headlamp shining through the woods and there's three dudes trucking through the woods making noise. So no lights when you're turkey hunting. That's just my rule of thumb. Red light as far as I can and cut it off and go. So if you're looking at your hand again, I'm walking up my thumb and I'm going the backside of my wrist. And I end up finding a pretty open spot in the road, and we get up on the high point, and let me get it. I'm, it's select cut again, and it's just terrible briars. Six foot tall in some places. We're all cussing, bleeding, no lights. I'm wearing thin green leaf game winter pants and thin shirts, sweating, and lucky enough to have a water bladder, so I'm down in water, just dying. I'm like, gosh, we got to be quiet. And so I was like, okay. Let's get here. So we drop off out of the select cut pines and bounce these hollers. We're bouncing on the backside, and we get on the same side that he's on. I'm like, look. I tell my dad, I'm like, this is where I'm pretty sure he's on the edge of this finger. He's either on this one or he's on that one. If he's on either one, we can get to him really quick. And so we're sitting on this ridge. It's very small. I mean, from the start of the ridge or the finger that dropped off, from the very start of it all the way to where it dropped off is maybe 60 yards. And it's just the edge of a green green briar, 
uh, like wall thicket, so say, and then it goes straight out to hardwoods and then it drops off in that hardwood bottom. And we're sitting there and he was like, what time are they gone? And I was like, 6.44, 6.45 on the dot. And at this time, it's like 6.20. We're standing there listening. 6.30, the ones that were on that other ridge fire off. I mean, they pow, pow, hammer. And then about that time, I mean, pitch perfect. You couldn't ask for a better morning. Just owls over there. Wah, 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 just kicking it. I mean, just screeching, just doing that roll, and, a and then doing the laugh, all of it. They're just going nuts. And there has to be seven to ten birds over there just hammering. I'm like, all right. And then it shut up for a second. It got real quiet. And it's about six, six thirty-five, six forty. And my dad was like, hit a hoot, get those owls fired back up. And I go, hey, As soon as I hit that, that bird that we roosted was 50 yards from us. I mean, you're talking about getting caught with your pants down. I almost threw up. I was like, oh, my gosh. you got to be kidding me. He's right here. And I know better. Listen from the podcast and, you know, Mike Pentecost and Shane Simpson and all those guys and Andrew and what you said. It's just don't get that close to a bird on the roost. Try to stay back and let him do his thing. And it was totally on accident. And I was like, here we go. Struggle bus is in effect again. It's, you know, it's terrible. We've done all this work. I've just busted it all week. And just for me to mess up on a roosted bird. And my dad, he was like, okay, we need to back up and sit down. But my dad's all about decoys. I'm not about decoys. Just from what you and Andrew changed my perspective. You know, you got to get out, put the decoy out, and then you got to turn around. You got to think, you know, where is it? the best spot to put out the main thing is you got to go out there and put it out and where we were standing at was a uh, a good point to put the decoys out at and i was like all right and my dad's like all right put them out right here and we had a strutter and i know i don't like using strutters either but this is a very back cut portion where I, there's no other way anybody else can come in unless they walk three or four miles I'm like, man, we're, okay, let's put the strutter up. And my dad has a hand decoy, too, pretty realistic hand decoy. And we, you know, pop the fan out, set the strutter in the ground. My buddy's holding the strutter, and my dad sticks, sticks, you know, the hand in the ground. I'm turning around looking. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a waste of time. We need to look where we need to sit down. And my dad, there's a lay down, and there's like a root wad sticking up, and there's green bar growing all around it. And I'm like, all right, we got to sit down right here. And my dad's like, look, I'm going to go on the other side of it, down the ridge, I mean, 10 yards, and sit right there, and I'm going to go over here. And my buddy's sitting right next to me. There's nowhere else to go, and there was good back cover. I watched uh, Mike Pentecost's YouTube video with his son on Youth Day, and I just remember him vividly saying, we got no back cover. We got no back cover. That turkey's going to see us. That turkey's going to see us. I'm running that through my head. I'm like, we need back cover. We need back cover because the sky is right behind us. I'm like, we need back cover. And I'm like, root walk right there. Sit down. Don't care. Decoys high out 30 yards. Sit down. Pop my Woodhaven call in my mouth. And I'm thinking, I'm like, All right, what am I going to do? Should I call? Should I not call? Should I let him fly down? Should I just, just I don't know. I'm a million things are running through my head. I got shark eyes all the same thing. My buddies, what do you do? What do you do? I was like, I'm going to shut up. And I'm like, I'm just going to treat you up. And so I, you know, hit, closed my mouth, and as soft as I could do it, and I, hit him with the tree up. He doesn't gobble. I'm like, okay. He he had to hear me. There's no way turkeys can hear. And about that time, my dad's there on a glass call purring, and I'm like, what is he doing? 
I'm like, no, no. And he clucks one time and does like a softy up. I'm like, no, no. And I tell my buddy, I, he was a little bit more in the brush. I'm like, you need to call him right now and tell him to stop. So he calls him and he stops. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to do a fly down cackle. As soon as I hear them wings hitting them branches, I'm doing one with him. Even though I cannot do a fly down cackle, it saved my life. And sure enough, these birds are hammering. Those birds on the other ridge, they're still gobbling. It's six, I think it was 650, hammer. And when they would gobble, my bird that I killed would gobble, he gobble. And then those birds would gobble, he gobble. Just on and on. I mean, it's just pitch perfect morning. And all I hear is breaking limbs. And he, as soon as I heard it, I, and I, as soon as I did it, I paused for one second and went, yo, yo, yo. And I purred and I clucked, shaking as much as I could. I'm scratching in the leaves. I have my buddy scratching in the leaves. And he he looks over at me. He was like, you want me to video it? I'm like, uh, sure, because he can't shoot because I think it was. He's like, you want me to video? I was like, sure. And I got my gun up. I turned the red dot on. And I'm like, gosh, it's too bright. And I turned down on the lowest setting. And he's like, he's like, Isaac, Isaac. I'm like, what? He goes, my phone's red. He's got a case, like an iPhone case, an OtterBox, and a little portion that shows your phone. He's got the red back. He's like, my phone's red. Is he going to see that? I was like, that's the last thing we need to worry about right now. I was like, just, just put it down. I don't care. And anyway, he kept up. He kept on recording. So out of nowhere, I hear crunching, and my I just start going nuts, man. I start shaking. I'm like, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're good. You're good. That uh, movie, uh, Emperor's New Groove, where the two little angel and the devil sitting on his shoulder is like, oh, you're going to mess up. But the angel's telling me, oh, no, you're good. You're good. That's all I was running through my head. I'm shaking. I'm breathing so hard. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I start shaking real bad. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. And he takes a step. And, I, of course, I shut up. As soon as he flew down, I shut up. And I just do scratching and leaves, and there he is. I see him. I just see a little black bob at about 45 yards, and he comes closer. I'm like, this is what they look like. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And I was like, think of everything you do. Just keep patient. And I was like, the shot will come. And he's at 30 yards, and he kicks in the full strut. And I'm like, gosh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The sun is just coming up. The sky's blue. A turkey's going in full strut. I mean, big, long beard, and he's just taking a step. And he took two steps, got right in between the hen and the gobbler. I mean, he was about 10 yards from the decoys. And he popped that head up, and he turned it real sharp to the right. And I was like, nope, put it right on his neck. Boom, pulled the trigger. Hit him so hard in the mouth, broke his feet, jumped up, ran over there as fast as I could, shaking like a leaf. I mean, if y'all watch THP Gooch and him shaking, I was shaking 10 times worse than that. And I get over there, put my foot on his neck, and I'm shaking. I'm I'm almost threw up. I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I'm just over there. My buddy's right behind me. He was like, I've never seen you run that fast before. I was like, I didn't know I could run that fast. And I'm shaking, shaking, and my dad comes up, and he was like, boy, what were you waiting on? I was like, what are you talking about? He, well, he told me congratulations, of course. He's like, man, that's what I'm talking about. You earned it. And then, you know, we sit there, turkey quits flopping, and he was like, boy, what are you waiting on? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you, I don't know what you were waiting on. He said, why didn't you shoot him? I was like, I couldn't see him. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, well, I watched him fly out of the tree and walk up the ridge. He said, he had to take one more step, and I was going to shoot him. I don't know what you're waiting on. I'm getting nervous. And I was like, you're kidding. He's like, no. He said, I was going to shoot him. He was like, I really had no idea what you were waiting on because he was right in front of the decoys. And he showed me where he was sitting at, and it was just a different angle. 
and just man, the only time that I've ever felt that big of a relief is when I killed my public land deer up in West Virginia, just because I've been going up there my whole life, low deer numbers. When I killed that buck, I killed November, the relief off my shoulders. I've never felt more accomplished in my life. And just all the, you know, my dad and my papa and my uncle and all his friends and all my papa's buddies teaching me how to hunt. And I'm real appreciate, uh, appreciate them teaching me that. And it just, I really owe it to them and just the biggest relief, especially when I killed that turkey. That's the second biggest relief just because it was a two-year wait versus a lifetime of a wait and just a big, big relief. And we sat there and took pictures and I killed him at 655 and he was dead and he had 20 pounder, maybe give or take 20, 21 pounds, inch and a quarter spurs, 10 inch beard. I say he was the boss Tom. Me and my dad were talking back and forth. We're like, there's a reason this bird was by himself and all those birds were on that other ridge grouped up. I was like, he has to be the boss Tom. And it's just, I'm very, very blessed and thankful that I was presented that opportunity to harvest such a beautiful bird on a beautiful morning and with a good friend by my side and my dad. Uh, it just means a lot. Yeah, Isaac, that's a really interesting story and a really cool one, too, especially how you were able to piece everything apart. You know, to kind of wrap us up, you know, what from this experience and kind of your kind of journey, you know, kind of trying to get a, you know, wild turkey and, and the situations that you're given, what is like maybe one of your takeaways from, you know, kind of maybe something that you learned, you know, from this experience and kind of what you can maybe apply uh, in the future to maybe go back out there and again replicate this same success you know not only for this season but also seasons to come i'm going to throw kind of a little motivation because that's what keeps me going i'm going to go in the woods no matter what i don't care uh, i don't like getting wet but you know you learn and you find new things and you can't scout and kill them on the couch so i'm always going to go hunting whenever the opportunity is presented in front of me the best thing that I can tell everybody is don't quit. And I say that, so, and it's, I say don't quit. And I, and Denzel Washington, for some reason, I stumbled across these motivational videos when I was going through a tough time when I was in the Marine Corps. And uh, just, I just stumbled across this video of Denzel Washington. And it's a speech he gave at a college. And he said, fail big. And he said, fail big. And he said, take chances, set goals. And he says, if you set goals, you will have dreams. And he said, but you have to set goals because without goals, there'll never be a dream. It's somewhat along the lines of that. And no matter how hard it gets, if you're new to turkey hunting, if you've been turkey hunting the whole life and you just need this, no matter how hard it gets, never quit. Because the moment that you stop, the moment that you stop and say, you know, I'm done, I'm done for the day. When you're done for the day, that's the moment your chances went from something to nothing. And uh, there's that movie with Jim Carrey. He said something, well, I, uh, Phil Robertson says it on Doug Kinesty or one of the hunting YouTube videos where he says, what's the chances of me getting with you? And she's like, a million to, a million to one. He's like, ah, there is a chance. 
And that stuck with me throughout my whole life. There's always a chance. You never know. You never know. And a lot of people who fish know, you know, you make that you know, last cast. You make that last cast, you catch one. You're like, oh, it looks like I'm staying. So if just never quit. Stay those 15 minutes longer in a spot. You never know what could happen. And enjoy it. Don't get it. Everyone's going to get frustrated and mad. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen because I get really mad. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened after I killed my turkey in a minute. But just enjoy it. Embrace the moment. Like that day, that first day I hunted, when I took off and I saw that hen, I was like, I, even though I didn't see a gobbler kill him, I still enjoyed it because I called up a hen. And I still enjoy it even if I don't hear gobblers because I learn new stuff. I might be bummed out, oh, man, no turkey's gobbling, but, oh, man, look at this bedding area. Look at this trail. Look at this rub line. And I can mark it on my phone, come back in the fall, and hopefully kill a deer off of it. So just never, ever give up. Just keep pushing forward no matter what. And like I said, um, the moment that you stop, your chances went from something to nothing. So never quit. Yeah. And again, I think that's so important, especially when people are struggling throughout their season and, you know, situations get tough, but you know, to, to kind of wrap us up, uh, Isaac, you know, the, the story is interesting enough in kind of your journey and kind of how you can apply not only what you've learned, uh, you know, just from, you know, experience in the woods, but also what you've learned and this heard from on the show and everything else and how you've been able to apply that to have success, I think is critical. And I think that's the thing that kind of can take somebody over the edge when it comes to that breaking point of whether, you know, they're going to quit or they're going to have that first amount of success. And once you have that success, you have a lot more enthusiasm to go out there and be more successful and, and start to really study and learn, you know, that first time you had success, maybe it wasn't a fluke. Maybe there was something there that you can apply going into the future and something that you can remap out and then build your basis off of, of that experience to grow more as a outdoorsman, a woodsman, a hunter, to be more successful and again as your kind of journey throughout your quote-unquote hunting career yep i 100 agree it's just remember don't just so say listen to the podcast and say oh no listen to the southern outdoorsman apply it apply it to all your tactics they say get on high points and locate turkeys do it they say sit back on the military crest and don't skyline yourself over a ridge do it they say hide the hen try it, it it's not I mean, you hear all these guys talking and, you know, some people might think, oh, this is the only way. That's not the only way. Scott Ellis had to figure out how to hide the hen. No one taught him that. No one, you know, everybody would just sit down, I'm sure, and just call. But he had to figure it out. Man, I need to, you know, hide. I need to hide and call and make it sound like there's a bird in here. And, like, Andrew learning Jake Yelps. Like, I'm just going to throw a Jake Yelp at him and see what happens. And look how successful he's come off of that. So find your, uh, you know, just find your zone and stick with it. Find what connects the dots for you. Find what hits home for you and then do it. But be humble, be very humble, and be willing to try new things because you never know. Because before this, I, was a, I wasn't that great of a hunter. Of course, I killed stuff and all that. But uh, Jeff Sturgis, with another point that hits with me, Jeff Sturgis with Whitetail Habitat Solutions, he says in one of his videos, he goes, uh, pro sport players have an average 
And if you put like averages in baseball, football stats and all that, and if you apply that to hunting, you put the very best and you put the very worst. And you say, where do you fall? And he said, a lot of people, it's in every single sport, but it's not in hunting. It's just like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm a good hunter. But, you know, just it's okay if you're not good. Like I said, I had to tell myself I suck. I had, I had to. There was no other way. I just look, just start over. Rock bottom, it's okay. But really listen to the podcast. Listen to what old timers, it doesn't have to be an old timer. It can be somebody who's 19, 20 years old teaching somebody 50 and 60. You never know. So just be humble and be willing to learn new things and open-minded and and be, you know, be patient with one another. If there's other people hunting at a gate, you know, let them have the gate and move on. I know it kind of went off on a tangent, but, you know, just help each other out. And we're all out there to get the same thing. Let's all be respectful of each other and treat everyone how you want to be treated. Yeah, and that, that's critical, especially for any public land hunter, any hunter in general. But, Isaac, man, I appreciate you spending some time with us this evening, kind of talk about your journey, but also talk about, you know, this is, you know, a, a really good listener success story, talking about things you picked up and how you're able to apply it and just kind of learn also from, like, your dad and, and everything else to really put out uh, your best foot forward to have some success to kind of go forward on. And, again, I appreciate you joining us and be able to kind of go over that. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can have you back on for another listener success story in the future, maybe even for a deer episode. I think that'd be extremely exciting. But uh, to kind of leave us at this point, I appreciate everybody has been listening to this episode. If you would, again, make sure you go over to iTunes. You can drop us a, a review there, kind of what you've been liking about the show, maybe different things that you've learned as well, and how that's kind of applied to your hunting so far this season. But make sure y'all tune in also for Monday. We have a really good episode coming out Monday morning uh, for the main episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast but other than that let me ask isaac do you have any final thoughts or anything before we totally wrap this up uh just real quick i try to get my buddy on a bird after uh seeing a guy put a turkey in his back of his vest and i threw mine back there and anyway i walked down a bluff wall completely just took a nasty fall and i busted my cherry classic so the struggle bus will keep on continuing so even though i kill a bird i'm still going to struggle so now i got a broken cherry classic sent it to woodhaven and hopefully it'll fix it for me so I really appreciate uh, have, for y'all having me on, and I really just want to thank my wife again for letting me hunt, and this podcast is really going to go somewhere, man. And y'all, everybody's listening, make sure you leave a review and help these guys out as much as you can because y'all, you guys are the future. So I really appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also 
how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years. And it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.